Revelation chapter 4 is where we'll start. I do want to say this. I thought I brought one up here. I didn't. Um, you should be getting the, uh, the family devotions for next week. Um, next Sunday morning, we have the Thren family with us. And so Brother Thren's going to be doing our Sunday school class. He is not going to be doing it on prayer. Uh, but as I said before, when we started this new uh, Sunday school curriculum, uh, they, have, they have some extra lessons and they have some holiday lessons that we get to put in where we need them and things like that. Uh, and so we want to keep things moving on the same page. So we don't want to miss, obviously this week, we're on week three. We don't want to miss week four when everybody else does week four, then, every, then we're all messed up with our schedule, right? You'll have, you, you, we're keeping everybody on the same page. That's the idea. And so uh, this, this uh, Sunday school handout that I gave you, we aren't going to do that lesson in adult Sunday school. The teens are also not going to do that lesson. They're going to come over here uh, for Brother Thread and listen to him. Uh, but other than that, the other classes are going to be doing this. So this is still really good uh, on prayer. You get some good stuff out of the devotional as well. So don't just skip it because also that memory verse is still your memory verse. All right. So uh, that is your memory verse as well next week. So uh, if you if you get one of those, you'll see uh, the memory verse out of Hebrews chapter four. And uh, you'll go ahead and, and learn that. You'll still get to say your memory verse next week, all right? So we're not skipping out on memory verses. Uh, and this week's memory verse, of course, Revelation 4.11, most of it is up behind me. Uh, half of it anyways. Thou art worthy, O Lord, receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We're going to start talking about creation. Uh, we're going to do this for a few weeks here on creation and laying some things out. Uh, and so... Uh, the Lord has created everything, and it is for His pleasure uh, that we are created and that the universe was created. It's all uh, ultimately to get Him glory and honor and power. That is what He's worthy of, and that is what He deserves. And those things, giving Him those things, gives Him pleasure. And so this morning we're going to look at uh, the handiwork of God and what He has done uh, at the start of creation, and so we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 after we have a word of prayer, and we'll get into creation this morning. Father, we thank you for the day, and thank you. You are a wonderful God, and I am so thankful and grateful that we could be here in church this morning. I pray that your hand would be upon everything that's said and done, that you'd give us wisdom and understanding, clarity of thought and mind. Lord, as we open the scriptures, help us, Father, maybe... Uh, most of this, probably most of this will be a review to all the folks that are in this room, but Father, I'm glad that we can remember uh, that we have a Creator and we have a God who has all the power to do whatever needs to be done and whatever He wants to do. Father, You can do whatever. And so it's a wonderful thing to know we have a God in heaven who can take care of and answer our prayers as well as go ahead and create an entire universe for His praise. And so Father, I pray You'd help us to be able to get together on that same page and understand we can praise and bring pleasure to our Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And uh, you, start, you start off the Bible and the Lord wants to let you know that something happens here in Genesis chapter 1. And verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, uh, interestingly enough, he is very singular in that. Uh, he created the heaven and the earth, and I won't get into all that this morning. Uh, but you start with that verse right there. Now, uh, we've talked for a couple of weeks about the Bible 
and the certainty of the Bible, and if the Bible is true or not true and all those things. And uh, let's face it, if the Bible's not true, we can walk away. It doesn't really matter, right? Uh, The Bible's not real, it's not accurate, it's not truthful, then you might as well walk away. The other side of that is, uh, if any part of it isn't true, we also have no confidence that any of the rest of it isn't true. Uh, how, how can you have confidence that the Bible is true when it starts telling lies anywhere it feels like it? Well, now you've got a problem. Uh, you've got a big problem. Uh, it's, an on, it's an untrusting source. You can't trust it. Uh, that's why the Lord makes sure that it is truth and it's there. And so when you, you open it up and you get into it, uh, we start off one, one phrase right here. In the beginning, God created. Now, there you go. You have now completely made one of the biggest divides that you'll ever have. Uh, this is very singular. Now, you, you do a whole lot of things. There's a whole lot of ideas, of course, uh, about, uh, about the origin of creation, and I'm not going to do all the, all the crazy pieces, but you have everything from uh, the idea that this is all just a dream, and we're all in this dream state together, and just kind of, it's all, it doesn't matter, it's just a dream. You have everything from that to it's all happened by accident. And it's very real, but it's all just happening on accident, and a big bang happens, and everything's crazy, and all of it happened, and nothing was there, and then all of a sudden everything was there, and now here we are. And the scientists would say, well, you made that, uh, you, you made that sound really you know, simple. That's what it is, simplified. That's what they believe. They believe nothing was there, then all of a sudden something was there, and then all of a sudden here we are. That goes against everybody's logic ever. It goes against their proven laws, but it goes against all logic. Absolutely. Uh, you, can't, you can't get it. Uh, it's always been here. Well, where did it start? And who started it? In the beginning, there had to be a moment where things began. Where time began. Uh, then you get to the spot where he says, uh, in the beginning, God. Well, now you're in trouble because what happened to all the other gods? Well, I believe so-and-so. Okay, whatever. Uh, This verse right here, it delineates greatly between the idea of religion and whatever god and whatever goddess, whatever thing you want to have and whatever thing you want to do. This uh, very much puts a divide right in. Uh, The law and the order that shows up because God created it Uh, changes things greatly. Either there is a creator or there isn't. It's that simple. Either he created it or he didn't create it, and you and I are just here in what matters. Uh, The world is constantly in the spot uh, where they go, well, I don't have a purpose, and I don't have, what is my purpose? Why do I feel, you know, uh, why are we even here? Floating around in our little dream state or our weird, right? All the things that they throw out there. Uh, If we're all just here by accident, then why are we here? So what does that end with? That ends with suicide. That's what that ends with. That ends with hopelessness. That ends with complete failure of life. Because they choose to go against who God is. Because they don't want to believe He is, but rejecting who God is and rejecting that God exists then puts you in the place where your purpose is now completely eliminated. Our, our memory verse for the day, He's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because He created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Without that, you and I don't have a purpose. 
Man, if all of our purpose is, is to live here, suck some air for a while, eat some food, and then die, we don't have a purpose. It is purposeless. Without God, you now have no purpose and no, and no direction and no thought process that will bring Him any glory. And ultimately, it is a rejection of God, not a rejection of it being, well, you know, it's just too crazy to believe that an a power, all-powerful God could ever... Well, no. It's more crazy to believe that nothing brought about something than it is to believe that a God would create. Now, when you eliminate the idea of God created, then you don't have any accountability to anybody but you. Now you're God. And what you say goes. And then truth gets to be relative. And so if I believe it, it's okay. It has to be accepted because I believe it. So what does that do? The Lord's eliminating all that stuff in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. You haven't even got through the first phrase and the whole first verse. He gets through one phrase and he says, okay, in the beginning, God created it. Okay, well, now what? Well, either you're going to believe that or you're not going to believe it. Either he did it or he didn't do it. And if he didn't do it, forget the rest of the book. The rest of the book doesn't matter. He just lied on page one, verse one, first line of the book. And if that's not true, you can forget the rest of the book. Or it's absolutely true, just like the rest of the book. And that's the place you're in. And that's the place I think the Lord purposely did that to make sure that they understood this is where the line is. And if you can't get on board with this, you can't get on board with anything. Why? Hebrews chapter 11, right? We, we, I mean, we've quoted Revelation 4.11 over and over again. Uh, you get to Hebrews chapter 4. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. How do you come to him if you don't believe in him? If he doesn't exist, you don't have anybody to come to. Must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, then he's a God that can be found because he's a God who wanted to go ahead and give you the supernatural account of how he created everything. And he put it in a supernatural book so you can go ahead and read it. He had the record set. And he did it supernaturally. Uh, you realize in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, no man is there to record it. And here's Moses writing it. You say, who told him how, what to write? The Lord did. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And he writes it. The who can tell the account? The only witness to the account. Who, who, else is telling, who else is telling what happened? Well, he's the only one there. And so he's the only one who can tell you what happened. And he writes down and he tells you what happened. And so God starts writing. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, remember this, only life can bring life. The world knows it in their laws, but they don't want to believe it. They would much rather believe in non-life bringing forth life. It never happens that way. It's also obvious that someone with all power is behind creating the masterpiece that you and I know of as the universe. All the order and all the structure, all the things that you and I look at and the way that it is laid out and the, and the properties that have to exist can only be done if it's done by design. 
In Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. The creation also shows us that there is nothing too hard for God. Here in a moment, we're going to start, and we're going to cover a couple of days of creation this morning. Uh, but he starts creation, and in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And when he starts in verse number two with the creation of the world as we know it, he goes ahead and you say, what do you get? Uh, you get him speaking a universe into existence. If he can do that, what can't he do? <laughs> this then links you to the all power, the omnipotence of God, the, the all power that is there that you and I, by the way, as children of God have access to. It is the all-knowing, the omniscience of God that can perform the act that he is about to do. He understands how the whole universe should be laid out. He's got a blueprint in his mind of what he wants. He speaks it and it happens. And there's no adjustments, right? You, you and I, we adjust our plan, right? We start moving forward. We look at it. We go, oh, that's not going to work later. I, I see the problem down the road now. I better fix that. The Lord just lays it out one day, two days, three days, four, six days. He's done. Seven days, I'm taking a nap. Done. No adjustments. Why make an adjustment? I already see it. He knows how he wants it laid out, and he lays it out perfectly, and everything's all set, and everything's done. Uh, it not only does it point to that, but it points, it points to how gracious and, and amazing our God is because he designed everything to be functional. Uh, I'm just going to, we're not there yet, but uh, obviously. Uh, but you think about this just for a moment. Uh, go ahead and, and walk outside, and especially springtime. We love springtime. I love springtime and I love the fall, but uh, you get out at springtime, right? The flowers start blooming. Everything looks nice. You realize that flowers are a machine. They're a little factory. So what do they do? They take your carbon dioxide, they turn it into oxygen, put it back up there so you can go ahead and breathe again. They're pretty and they smell good. God didn't make a dingy factory. He made it pretty and made it smell good. How about that? Uh, that's, that's a wonderful God right there. It looks good, but it's functional. How many things do we get? They're, they look good, but they're not functional. That's not the way the Lord does it. He's got it all laid out. It's, it's supposed to function. It's supposed to work. He's got all these laws, and he's got all the order, and he's got it so that it all works together. And he's building the universe. And he's going to build it all right here, and we'll get into that. Uh, but that's what he's doing. And by his power and by his might, supernaturally, he's going to create an entire universe, and he's, he's going to lay it all out. And you get to verse number 2, and he says, And the earth was without form and void, here in Genesis chapter 1. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and the light... And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, uh, God goes ahead, and uh, he's got this place, and the earth is without form and void here. And there's the earth. You can see that. There's darkness, and there's some water. That's what you got. 
in verse number 2, right? That's what he's got. He's got the earth without form and void, nothing on it. And then he's got darkness and he's got water. Now you can go ahead and ask me about that later. I'm not going to get into that. Why he has those three. But the Holy Spirit, notice these parts right here. I'm going to give you this. Uh, verse number one, you have God. Now normally God is a reference. When you see the word just God, we automatically go, God the Father. The soul, of, the soul of God, ultimately. And then we see the Spirit of God and we go, Holy Spirit. There he is, right? I'm not going too fast, am I? Right. Uh, and then, verse number three, and God said. We know who that is, right? In the beginning was the Word, John chapter 1. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He tells us the, the world was made by him. He spoke the universe into, by what? His word. The physical manifestation of who God is is Jesus Christ every time. It's God the Son. And so you have, you have the Godhead there in the first three verses of the book. And he makes sure to delineate the three. And he's, he's working. Uh, one of the hardest things to, to try and get someone to understand until they understand it. After you see it, you can't unsee it. But to get them to see that God is three parts, and they're all God, and they all work together, and they're the same being, right? The Godhead. And try and get them to see that they're all God. And you say, what, what is that? Until you see it, it's really hard to see it. But as soon as you see it, you can't unsee it. So I don't know where you are this morning, but they're all the same. You can ask me later. I'll do my best to explain it again. But until you see it, you don't see it. Uh, and once you do see it, I'm telling you right now, you can't unsee it. It's all over the place. Uh, amazingly. Uh, the difference between you, you and I and God in this respect is that God can go ahead and take his soul and leave it over here and take his body and send it to the planet. All right? That's the difference. All right? The Holy Spirit can be here while Jesus Christ ascends and the you say, what's he doing? He can divide out his parts. If we rip your soul out, you're done. <laughs> this life is over with. <laughs> but God doesn't operate that way. He's the eternal God. He's outside of time. So he can go ahead and, and he can separate and utilize those three parts in the way that he wants to. And so the offices are different. And so you get into that. But I won't get too far into that because I got to get back on this, all right? So uh, here he is, and, and he says, let there be light. The first thing God says here in Genesis chapter 1 is let there be light. Now, this is, this is pretty awesome in a lot of respects. Uh, number one, you can't have life without light. It's, it's an impossibility. Life and light. They go hand in hand. And so life, light shows up so that God can go ahead and bring life as he goes through. Uh, you should go ahead and understand that uh, life and light are linked together. And you get that. Uh, look over, hold your place right here. We'll go to the other spot, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You know the spot, but let's look at it. 
John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Look at verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And we can keep reading about the light, of course, Jesus Christ, the light that comes into the world. And uh, later he tells us that we're supposed to be a light to, to a lost world and so on. We can do all the verses. I'm not going to. Uh, but light brings life. He's the light of men and he is the life that shows up. Uh, and he is there. And that's the first thing he wants to bring. He wants to bring light. Jesus Christ shows up to bring light what he does he wants to lighten our eyes he wants he wants to go ahead and you get to john chapter 3 men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil uh, the delineation between light and darkness he starts making that divide right here in verse number four of genesis chapter one he divides the light from the darkness light and darkness don't go together uh, you start getting you start getting god purposely separating some things out here in genesis Chapter 1. On day 1, he's already telling you, uh, light and darkness don't go together. And light and darkness make sure that you and I know which side we're supposed to be on. Because he tells us that his word is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. We've been talking about the scriptures for the last few weeks. uh, And the truth is, uh, without the scriptures, you don't have light. You don't have light on salvation. You don't have light on creation. Uh, you don't have light on how you're supposed to walk in this life. You have, no, you have no concept of what we're supposed to do without the light of God shining to you. Uh, and uh, what's Satan's job? Well, Satan's job is to make it so you can't have the light. Or pretend he's light. That makes sure you don't get the light because he sends you a false light. Leads you in the wrong direction. You look at those things and what's he doing? He's trying to blind the minds of them that believe lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine onto them. He, he wants to make it so they can't see. He wants them in darkness. He wants, he wants that. That's what he's desiring. He wants you to walk in darkness instead of in the light. He wants the lost world to stay in darkness and never come to the light, and never recognize it. Over and over again, he's, it's the competition between light and darkness. Uh, ultimately, there is no real competition. Uh, it amazes me that God, uh, you know, you, we get asked a lot of questions about why does God allow certain things and why does he do this and why doesn't he do that and all, all, that, all that stuff. And the truth is that God has this much larger plan. Why didn't God just, uh, why, why didn't God just uh, take, take Satan right away and just build the lake of fire and throw him in it? So what it is, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Real quick question. You know what love is, right? Love's a choice. Worship's a choice. Giving him glory and honor and power is a choice. Is it a choice if he's the only option? No. It's not a choice. Why does God allow Lucifer to fall and become Satan? So you'd have a choice. 
so that when he creates mankind, you get a choice. It's not a free will choice if you don't have a choice. That's why the Calvinist doesn't work. Because it's not a choice. God made you worship him. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not real worship. That's not love. If you're forced... So why is, he, why is he allowing darkness? Why is he doing... So that you would have a choice. Whether you'd trust him or not trust him. It shows you that God can go ahead and overcome whatever wicked shows up. It shows you... There's all sorts of things you can learn from it, but the big picture probably is going to be just so you'd have a choice. Because then it'd be real worship. It's real love when you have a choice. If you don't have a choice, let's face it. Let's face it. If you have no money and all you have are peanut butter sandwiches, you love peanut butter sandwiches. Why? Because today I love peanut butter sandwiches. If I got no money and that's all I got and I'm starving, I love a peanut butter sandwich. Uh, right up until you find a steak. <laughs> and then you're like, never mind, I'm leaving the peanut butter sandwich alone. Why? Because I love steak. Uh, you give me a pizza over a peanut butter sandwich, guaranteed. Guaranteed I'm taking the pizza. Why? I love that more than I love a peanut butter sandwich. Uh, maybe you're different, but you need to come down to an altar or something this morning and get right with God if you want a peanut butter sandwich over a steak. That's messed up. Um, anyways, uh, how did I get over there? Um, I did not follow my notes this morning. Um, we get the choice, and God has laid it out, and here he is, and he's purposely dividing light from darkness. So you understand there's a difference, number one. Naturally, we understand there's a difference, but also God's making that divine, so you understand you've got a choice. You can walk in darkness or you can walk in the light. He's purposely going to lay it out that way. He purposely goes ahead and reminds us that the devil and night and darkness all go together, and that God, Jesus Christ, His Word, all go with the light. Mm -hmm. That's what He does. He purposely lays it out. And He lays out the principle before you get out of the first paragraph. <laughs> he goes, light, darkness, first day, just so you all know, light and darkness don't go together. They make up the evening and the morning, but they don't go together. Walk as children of light in all the verses. I'm not going to keep doing that. i got to stop. i got to move forward. But uh, notice I want to make sure that this is very, 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 very clear. Verse number 5. So what are you making clear? And God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. So what are you making clear? That the evening and the morning were the first day, 24 hours. That's it. That's it. Every day he's going to get to the end of the day and he's going to say, and the evening and the morning were the second day, third day, fourth day, whatever, you're, whatever day you're on, evening, morning. Now, evening and morning is the Jewish calendar. It's the Jewish time periods. He always starts evening and morning, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. evening, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, morning, right? That's, that's the way he lays it out. That's on the calendar. Uh, so it makes it very confusing, like things like you get to the last week of the life of Jesus Christ and figuring out the days and all the things he has to do. It's evening and morning, evening and morning, evening and morning. So you got to start in the evening time when you start working with the times and all the things and make sure you're paying attention to figure out which day it would be and all that stuff. It gets all 
confusing sometimes to us because we're not used to it. We're used to midnight to midnight. That's what we run, and that's how we are. So, uh, but as far as as far as the Lord, He's laying out the timeline, and it's in the evening, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and the morning, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 24 hours. So every day that you see in creation is one day, and there are no divides in between. Once you get to day one, he is starting time, and it's not stopping just because. Uh, so uh, there's all sorts of weird theories out there and weird ideas that there's a gap in between every day of creation, and there's uh, you know these intermediate times for God to allow for... You say, what are they doing? Theistic evolution. They're making it God started these things. He started a ball rolling, and then he let all these things evolve out so you can appease the world. That's not what he said. Evening and morning, first day. Evening and morning, second day. Kind of hard to say that it's the second day when you let a thousand years go by in the middle. Just saying. Uh, It doesn't seem very factual. It also seems very ludicrous. Uh, So anyways, you get there. And uh, you get the end of the first day, and it's evening and morning once again. And you get to uh, day number two, shows up in verse number six. And he says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Uh, And so you have... You have uh, here him creating what we would call outer space. Uh, There's a firmament. He divides the waters from the waters. He's got a large body of water called the deep that he separates, and he makes it so that there's an open space in between. He opens up the universe. He sets a firmament that he calls heaven, and he goes ahead and he puts it there. Uh, The firmament would encompass what we know as the known universe. It's an open expanse of space, and before that it was just filled with water. It's just a whole pile of water. Uh, And God opens it up. He opens a firmament. To do what? To go ahead and put the planet in. If not, uh, you and I would still be in a whole pile of water. That's where we would be. Uh, He needs a space to work with to open it up so that you and I could have a planet in the middle of a solar system so that we could have an entire universe. So he opens it up to make open space. Uh, This is uh, he's doing it on purpose, he's opening it up, and he's, he's stretching it out that way so that you and I could have ultimately later, uh, he's going to separate that heaven into our atmosphere a little bit and give us our atmosphere. And he's leaving that second firmament where he's going to put all the stars, right? Pastor talked about this last time, so I don't have to do as much, all right? Uh, and so you get the second heaven where the stars are, uh, and then you have the third heaven where the abode of God is. Uh, First heaven would be here in the firmament of heaven. The birds fly there. Uh, He goes ahead and makes sure he lays it all out for us. Uh, You have the the atmosphere around us, and then you have the sun and the moon, and the stars are up there, and then you have the third heaven where God is. Right here, he has divided out, and he's opened up that firmament of heaven so that you and I could have all of outer space. We could actually be dry. Uh, All right, right here. And... Ultimately, he is causing, once again, another divide of waters. Uh, He does that later. Uh, They have a hard time believing that God can go ahead and part the Red Sea. So you get these theology guys, you know, these great theologians who go, well, no, they crossed the Sea of Reeds through this marshy place. 
Realize day two, God divided a whole lot more water than what is in the Red Sea. He divided it out so you and I could have the open firmament of heaven. Well, you know, he didn't really, he didn't really, you know, they didn't cross the Jordan River. I mean, they went across and it wasn't very, okay. Like, he, he can't divide the Red Sea. I mean, how many times does he divide the Jordan River? That's like nothing to him. That's so, I mean, that's like, it's like, oh, a shower. Let me just, okay. Uh, you know, the Red Sea, he parts an entire universe and puts one in there. They currently can't figure out how big it is. It's ever expanding, according to them. I don't know if that's exactly true. He stretches the earth, and he's stretching it out. So uh, he's probably still stretching if he wants to. Uh, but you're looking at a universe, and either way, you know what he's done? He's divided waters to the north and to the south of the universe, the south end and the north end of the universe. He's laid it all out. Uh, water is one of the prominent creations of God. Uh, he has purposely placed it throughout creation. Uh, you, have, you have a lot of reason for that. One reason is uh, that it's, uh, of course, he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. It's a great picture to the Word of God. Uh, and what, what we get, we get washed by it. We cleanse, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Uh, where do we get all those? We get those pictures throughout the scriptures, and so he's purposely put it throughout, uh, throughout the Bible as well as throughout his creation. Water is water is vital. Uh, it's it's one of the other components of making sure, at least for a human being, that we have life. Uh, light and water, and that's where he starts. Uh, and he divides the waters out so he can put the planet in the middle. Uh, but ultimately, water is a great, uh, great picture. We need, uh, we need physical water to survive, and you need spiritual water to survive. Uh, Christians dry out, and they die <laughs> spiritually. They, they don't have life. Uh, you look at them, and over and over again, uh, our body needs water to survive, but our spirit needs the Word of God to survive, right? Uh, first memory verse. I have esteemed... Oh, 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 hang on, hang on. You're all going to help me on this, all right? Ready? I have esteemed... That was pretty rough. We're, we're almost there. We're almost there. All right. We're, we're gaining ground. We're going to do it one more time. So I, this is a nice review. How about that? I'm giving you a review. Uh, that way you can remember all of your memory verses, right? Job 23, 12. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, and so we need the word of God to survive. We need it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, we can't live without the word of God. Spiritually, you and I, we have, we have a loss right there. Water makes all the trees and the plants grow to provide us food, and the word makes you and I grow spiritually, doesn't it? Psalm chapter 1, You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Well, without the waters, the tree's not growing right. And you don't get fruit. You get, you get some, right? 
We get a drought. What do you get? We get famine after a drought. Why? Because nothing's growing. Nothing's producing. You get weak fruit from something that's dry. It may be there, but it tastes terrible. Right? Don't you like a nice, juicy apple when you bite into it? You ever get one that was kind of dried out? It's almost chalky. It's like you're chewing on a, on a chalk stick or something, you know? Uh, you get one of those, right? It's just a little dry, and it's kind of... Just doesn't taste right. Not enough water. It got dehydrated. The tree maybe didn't get enough water while it was trying to grow and put that fruit out. And it might look pretty good on the outside, but you bit into that and you know the inside's no good. That'll preach. I'm going to move on though. Uh, without water, we wouldn't have all the good things to eat from the lakes and the seas as well. Without the word, we wouldn't have all the good things that you and I put into practice. How do you know what to put into practice? How do you know what you can do and not do and, and what's the best way to do it? And in James chapter 1, he says this. I'm going to turn there because I can't remember this verse off the top of my head, so I'm going to turn. James chapter 1 and verse 25, he says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Looking into the perfect law of liberty, you find what's supposed to be done, what's supposed to be right, and do those things. How do we know? We, we only know it by the word of God. Without water, there would be no life. The word gives us spiritual life. I already referenced that. About 75% of the earth is covered in water. Uh, our lives should be saturated with the Word of God. You realize that the, uh, the whole earth, I mean 75%, I think it's just over that. I think it's actually like 78%, something like that. Um, I didn't get all the numbers perfect. But uh, over 75% of the earth is covered in water. That's another reason you know man didn't do that. Man would be like, we're going to go the other way. We're going to go 75 earth so I can have more stuff to live on. Uh, right? Of course, then you find out that you'd kill the entire planet and everybody die. But that's beside the point. Uh, the Lord set it up. 75% of the earth is covered in water. And you know what you need? You need water. It saturates. Our body is also the same. 75% of your body basically is made up with water. What's he doing? He's just letting you know you ought to be saturated with the Bible. It, it ought to be able, it ought to be able, right? One of, one of the worst things you can do physically is to not have water. We can go without food for days and days and days. We don't make it very long without water. It's an impossibility. We need water to survive. And the more water you put in, uh, it's amazing, right? You, you do all the diets and all the things. And what do they tell you? They, everybody tells you the same. Just keep pushing water. Keep pushing water. Keep pushing water. Why? Because it makes all your systems run better. Everything runs better. more water you can put in, the better it is. When you get dehydrated, it's awful. <laughs> you ever feel spiritually dehydrated? I think if everybody was there, everybody would nod their head and go with us on that. Uh, we've all felt just a little, you can feel it. 
You can feel when things aren't running right spiritually. You also recognize your fruit's not coming out the way that it used to. You recognize that things just are not doing what they're supposed to do because if they were, I would have these things going. And we get dehydrated from what? From not having enough of the Word of God in us. Now here's the thing. Uh, Uriah is... uh, year and a half now and you all know he's got the he's got the thyroid problem and so he's been on on thyroid med since since he was born basically and uh, we've had him at this nice low dose and we love it we love that he's on that little low dose and we're hoping you know three years old they're hoping we can test him and and see if we can start pulling him back off it and if not he's got to stay on it the rest of his life they're telling us so uh, you know just trying to keep things in balance so we're looking at it uh, you realize, uh, for a little while there, he was uh, he was doing fine, but mm, he got to be a little over a year old. You know, what we noticed we noticed he wasn't quite acting right. He was sleeping more. He was doing this a little bit more. He was doing he wasn't doing this like he normally did. And they, we, we hit the time where they're doing the next set of blood work, and away they go. You know what they said? Uh, we need to raise that a little bit. Say, oh, man, is he getting worse? No, he got bigger. He doesn't weigh the same as he did at three, four months when they had everything, they thought they had everything figured out. And as he's grown, that dose isn't quite enough anymore. Right? It's kind of like they give you a child's aspirin. But if you're taking children's aspirin right now, uh, the only reason you're taking it is hopefully to help your heart or something like that. Uh, but if you take that for a headache, it's doing nothing. <laughs> it, it's not enough of a dosage for an adult. Full-grown adult doesn't. Now, here we go. The part nobody likes. Uh, if you're still reading the same amount you were reading when you were first born, again, you're not growing right. It ought to take more to saturate you and to take care of all those things that you normally would be running fine on. But as you've grown in the Lord, it's not running fine anymore. And it's not running fine anymore because you're not getting saturated with the Word of God anymore. It was enough then, but it might not be enough now. You've grown. And you need more. To do what? To get the same results. To get the same fill. To get the same saturation level. And I'm not telling you, oh, well, now I've got to read 40 pages a day and be super. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you first got saved, you might have been able to handle that proverb a day. And you started with that. And maybe then you slipped in a little bit of the book of John and you started reading a little bit of that. But after a while, <laughs> that's not going to be enough to sustain you. It's just not. Because you're not saturated with it. And this is, this is my, parting, my parting statement, I guess. Uh, maybe you ought to just go, Lord, have I been walking in the light the way I was supposed to walk in it? And am I reading enough? I don't doubt you read. I'm not saying that at all. But maybe you ought to be on another level, and you're not there because you've never tried. And you think everything's just running like normal. And the Lord says, yeah, but you notice you, you don't quite have this anymore and you, you haven't quite gotten anything new anymore. 
and I feel like it's a little dry. Okay, well maybe add some water and you'll find out it won't be as dry. Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your creation. Father, I love that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day on a day out of speech and night on a night showeth knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would help us today to stay close to our Savior. Father, if someone comes in these doors today without Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. I pray, Father, you'd help them to see it, understand it, and accept it. Lord, they'd receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Father, we pray you would bless our day today. Be with Pastor Legault. Give him wisdom and understanding, strengthen and help him this day to be able to preach with clarity of thought and mind this morning. I ask you to be with uh, Brother Andrew and especially Hannah, Lord and Philip. Father, that uh, everything would go well to, with delivery today. And Lord, that you would just have your hand upon it. It'd be all in your timing and in your way and in your care. Father, you guide all the doctors and the staff that's dealing with them. Father, protect that little baby, please. And Lord, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take a break.